test test
eternal life. Amen. Jesus said, if they only believe, they shall see the glory of God. Let's sing it again. Oh God, so love the world that He gave His only Son, who so well believe will not perish, they shall have eternal life. Sing one more time. Oh God, so love the world. That he gave his only son Whosoever believes will not perish They shall have eternal life Yes, they will They shall have eternal life They shall have eternal Yes, they will. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. In darkness tries to hide and Trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see how great how great is our God. Yes, He is. Age to age He stands. And time is in His hand. Beginning and the end. Beginning and the end. The God Three and one Father, Spirit, Son The Lion and the Lamb The Lion and the Lamb How great is our God See with me how great is our God how great, how great is our God. Name above all names, you are name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Sing that again. Yes, you are. You are name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. 
come to time of prayer uh, a few things that really struck me this week uh, this is my first major bike event in the Daytona area exciting right and uh, I know many Christians lament that this time of loud stuff and debauchery and all kinds of bad things happening um, so a few people from the church have uh, shown me around a little bit of what some of that looks like uh, the, the best part was uh so the, the district had a pastor's retreat at the Hilton on Beachside. And so we came out. Um, Garen and I snuck in a couple of sessions without paying. It was a good time. That's what pastors are supposed to do, right? And as, after we came out Thursday morning. I said, hey, Garen, let's go across the street and see what all the bikers are doing. We get over there. It's like, wow, this is an interesting time to have a pastor's retreat here. And uh, a couple of others, Dusty and Kim, showed me around a little bit yesterday. And as many people say, oh, this is bad stuff. I know that there were three guys from our group that were out trying to be a positive witness to the guys who are coming to town. Uh, they know the lifestyle. They've been there. They lived it. And on purpose said, we're going to get out there and meet some people. An example of God is bringing a group of people together. They don't realize that it can be for his purpose and sending his messengers out there to, to talk to them. I met another guy recently, a few weeks ago, and uh, Ken knows this guy. And uh, he's had some real, really debilitating issues physically and kind of gone through a year, several year-long struggle of saying, why God, why is this happening to me? And he went to out of state this last week for some experimental treatments on his legs. And it wasn't a success. And we've been having some really serious faith talks recently. And uh, he understands that God is doing some work and trying to work through that. Well, in the airport, about to come back home after this failed procedure, he, 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 we, had, we had lunch this week, and he just he couldn't believe it. While he and his wife were there, they were sitting next to some people at a little restaurant, started talking. And they came up while he's, while he's there at that place out of state. This person that they meet has the exact same issue in her life. Very, very rare issue. This guy's like, I've never met anyone in my life with this, and we happen to be at the airport, out of state, to fly back home, sitting next to someone with the same exact issue, and they're flying to where we're flying because uh, their family has a place in Ponce Inlet. 
And he's like, we are going to be, our families will be lifelong friends now. And he said to me this, and this guy isn't quite a full-fledged believer yet. He's getting there, you know. But he's like, I know God set that up on purpose. So God is already working in people that don't even know he's at work in them. And uh, it's not, he said it's not just coincidence. He's like, God is setting things in motion that we don't realize are in motion. And so this morning, I, I woke up to a bunch of texts from friends around the world. said, hey, did you see what happened in Haiti? I was supposed to go to Haiti last week. I put it off because it's not really that safe there. And um, this morning, I saw that 17 missionaries there were, were kidnapped, including three children, by the gangs in Haiti. And who knows what's going to happen to them. And uh, I've got a trip planned for November. And my mom's writing me, well, this, maybe God's telling you to stay home. Well, my response is God's will be done, not ours. But in this bad thing, failed, failed procedure on a guy's legs, a failed mission outing in Haiti, God wants to take the worst things that come about, the times of debauchery and bike riding, and make some beautiful stuff out of that. God wants to make, take failed operations and build beautiful relationships out of that. My prayer this morning is that God takes this horrible thing that's happened to all these people visiting Haiti for to help the Haitian people and does something really miraculous out of it. Where This isn't where we send in the army to kill a bunch of gang members. This is where Jesus works through people to love in a way that doesn't make sense. And those guys' lives are changed. We've got to start praying in a way where the evil ones are not disposed of, but the evil ones are transformed to follow Jesus. That's, that's the real kingdom, right? We've been talking a lot about kingdom around here. That is the real kingdom where God transforms broken lives into God-following lives. And then we are like, man, this is a great place to be. Well, let's bow our heads and pray together. And thank God for the trials that you've been through because something beautiful is going to come out of it. Father, we praise you. We praise you even in the worst of circumstances. When the evil one seems to be taking control of the world, our actions, the things going on around us, and it just seems like, well, Lord, honestly, it just seems like you're not in control sometimes. But I want to say out loud, Father, I've got to trust in you because there's no other option. Transform those who are in coming in contact with those who love you. Bring hope to the hopeless. And I do pray for the safety of these people in Haiti and these children that are amongst that group. But Lord, I know that you can make this into something beautiful where lives are transformed and the persecutors The lions, they become like lambs. Lord, we are in your hands. We admit our need for you. You have proven to be far beyond anything we could ever hope for. Keep us on this path of trust. Strengthen us. Increase our faith in you so that even the worst times come, we know that you will take this 
Turn it into something that is beautiful because you are Lord, not just now, but for eternity. We praise you, Father, in your name. Amen. All right, well, I think this is the time where we uh, officially pass the peace. Turn to your neighbor, say hi, remember that face, pray for that person today because uh, we're here worshiping together on purpose to know Jesus. So I'm still waiting for the old, you know, I don't mind this sometimes. I lived in Italy for a while and I would get too many sloppy kisses on both cheeks. So sometimes the distancing thing is okay because it was a little weird once in a while. But let me see who's next on the list. Maybe it's me today. I don't know. It is. It's still me, guys. Well, welcome. My name's Jason. It uh, looks like our good neighbor offering from Waverly, Tennessee, that we've been talking about. Um, so, Garen gave me some stats on that. Over 100 structures around that church community were completely washed off their foundation. Um, that's, that's pretty significant in that small town. 20 people lost their lives. Two schools permanently closed. That'd be crazy. My kids go to the school down here, down the street, Spruce Creek, imagining what would happen if the school was closed. But then maybe they moved. You could be their teacher, Lisa. That'd be all right. And a third of the homes in that town were catastrophic dam- had catastrophic damage. So our good neighbor offering is going to help them out this month. So um, it's people that uh, Pastor Garen know. So just trust. Uh, I've seen some good things come from you all, but we want to help our neighbors even those we haven't met personally. Uh, Second, mortgage burning. Where's Danny at? Okay, I wanted to ask him how that flaming motorcycle jump was going to work out with that mortgage burning. Anyway, good stuff planned. I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. But November 14th, big party, 10 o'clock here. Meal provided. Well, that's a good enough enough reason right there, right? All right, I don't have to say anything more. Meals, there's going to be food here. That's all you got to know. Uh, we're going to celebrate. And then it looks like we've got a bright uh, beginnings fundraiser. Does anybody know anything about that? All it says here is 20% of the check goes to the preschool. Does anybody know where that is? Is it on here? Oh, Alberto's. You guys been to Alberto's? That's good stuff. All right. Well, I'm, I'm finding out when you're finding out what this is. October 20th. Looks like today. That is this coming Wednesday. All day from 11 to 9. Mention Bright Beginnings and any pizza. They have really, really incredibly greasy garlic knots, which it's, it's worth it. It tastes so good, but they, they, the whole next day I feel awful. But I'll probably still do it because I don't have good self-control. But anyway, and it's a good fundraiser for the school. So, all right. Well, it is time for our offering. So, um, so when I was, I've pastored full-time before. And I always felt super awkward at offering time. It's like, hey, give us your money, kids. But this is good stuff, and we're about to pay off our mortgage. But one thing I always made known that I think is very, very important, God provides. God provides. And God isn't just about the money. Think about the offering of your life as a living sacrifice to him. Um, as, I, as I talk to people, they say, I don't have much money to give. It's not going to make much of a difference. I'm like, that's fine. But your life, your relationship, how you pour into people. Many of us forget that when we pour ourselves out to others and serve as offerings to others, 
it is the best receiving gift we've ever had. Um, I had a professor once who would say, you're not sure about your walk, about where you're going in ministry, about anything. He's like, go out and just practice simple service to others. Your life as an offering and watch how everything opens up and you will find direction in Jesus. So, uh, whether you give money or not here, eh, I'm not too worried about it. We'll be okay. But for your own sake, think of your own life as an offering. And as you do simply just serve and love others, the things that happen will amaze you. So, well, let me pray uh, in this time of giving. Father, take our lives. Take the money we have to offer. Take the time we have to offer. Our talents or whatever it is that we want to give to you, Father. Take it. Multiply it. Use it for the building of your kingdom. And show us how you can just take a few small fish and a few loaves and feed the masses in ways that we never imagined. We praise you, Father. your name, amen. Well, good morning. Normally you guys will be hearing something like, uh, hey, my name is Pastor Garen. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a little bit different. Uh, my name is Justin. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know me, I'm, um, I'm actually the youth director here at Porter Church in Nazarene. And I have the honor of bringing God's word to you this morning. Um, and I'll tell you what, here's what I titled my message, which <clears throat> let me just explain to you guys how a sermon comes to life when it comes to Justin. God, God and Justin, but let me show you how it is. The way that it works is uh, normally, you know, Garen will let me know, hey, you're going to be preaching this week. And then I don't know what it is, but I will, I won't finish the sermon until the night before I preach. And sometimes I'm, I might not even finish it till like the morning of, the, I just let God cook in my brain and I'll even like, be like oh, I know, I know what verse I'm going to, I'm going to do this verse. And I'll sit there and meditate and, and do this sermon a couple times. I don't know what it is. I think it just makes it a little bit more, you know, off the top of the head than versus like, you know, two script. I'm not really good at reading, and so I kind of have to do it that way. But I tell you what, 
yesterday, I'm like, okay, I got it. My wife asked me, she says, uh, she says, are you, are you, are you good with the sermon? I said, yep, I just got to put it all together. It took me so long to put this one together because how much, is there a noise coming from a phone somewhere? Oh, okay. The hearing aids. Okay. All right. Okay. So sorry about that. Um, but, um, but we, um, we, so I'm putting, I'm putting the message together last night and I, I kid you not, what should have only taken me like five, ten minutes, because again, like I said, I'm just, I got it all in my head throughout the week and I'm just dropping those, you know, the words in and, and the, and the verses and all that kind of fun stuff. I would, I would drop something in. I would say, okay, look, here's where I'm going to go with it. And then I would just sit there in the bed, just fully like emerged in awe of what God was showing me, but then also a little bit of conviction. A little bit of a conviction as to where God's bringing this message, and even in my own heart. And so this message doesn't go to any one person in particular. This message is even for myself, uh, but I want to go to God in prayer for just a moment and just ask him to bless this time because, again, this message is just as much for me as it is for uh, everybody here. Father, may you bless this time. May your word shine through. May it pierce our hearts and may your Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. Father, give me the words to speak here and now as I am but nothing but a man. But Lord, it's your word and your Holy Spirit that moves in our hearts. And so please do so here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I titled this message, uh, The Church is Not the Building. And it's not just the people. And if you guys go a couple nuggets back, I'm not going to tell you now because this kind of sermon is on that nugget that God was giving me a, a few weeks back where you always hear the saying, the church is not the building, the church is the people. That's what you always hear. But see, I've titled it, the church is not the building and it's not just the people. And so I, I bring myself to the very beginning of the church and that's found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the birth of of the church. And I don't have the words here on the screen. And so if you have your Bibles with you, then I'll give you some time to turn there. And if you have the Bible app on your phone, you could scroll through there. And if not, then you could just uh, hear the word of God. But here's what we're going to be reading in Acts chapter two. We'll be going from verse one to 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they had heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of them, each of us hears them in our own native language? They go on to name a couple languages that honestly speaking, I could, I was having a hard time to pronounce, so I just took them out. But at the tail end of verse 11, they sum it up nice and perfectly. It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, here's a moment. Apostles, disciples, in a house, and the tongues 
and, and, and what seems to be of a wind and fire and tongues coming from heaven to rest upon them. And then afterwards, everybody's here in their own language. A crowd comes together. Whoa, what's going on? And next thing you know, the guy all the way from this side of the country is here in his language. And the person who's born right here in America. And then, I don't know, maybe the person in Georgia is hearing a little twang in, in, in what's being said. But we have to bring this in context. You know, first of all, how do they even get in the room, right? And to truly grasp this, we would have to go before chapter 2, and then we would have to go afterwards. Now, in this sermon, I'm going to do a little bit like a mailman sometimes does. I'm going to start my way at the far end of the route, and I'm going to work my way back. So bear with me, because we might stop at a couple little places and uh, open up some letters. In Acts chapter 1, to bring some context to this scripture here of the birth of the church, verses 1 to 5 says this. It talks about how Jesus was taken up into heaven, but before so, it says in the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, so this is after Jesus passed away, he died, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was truly alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me spoken. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the apostles, when it comes to Acts chapter 2, they, they have followed Jesus' command. And the Bible states that a group of them, about 120, you know, the beginning of the church, they began waiting. They began praying. And they began seeking God. Because Jesus came to them after he had died and rose again and went to them on many occasions and said, Hey, listen, I'm here. Here's the proof. Here's the scars in my hand. I'm alive. But I want you to do something. I want you to wait. Wait. Because there's something that is going to come. And that right there just reminds me a little bit of, it reminds me of something that I want to bring to importance. How many of us these days understand the importance of waiting on God? Of truly waiting on God? You know, we always ask and we want something from him. There's something that we always can need in our lives as we can think about it. But is there ever a time that we are waiting for him to do something. And not like as in like, well, yeah, I prayed for this to happen at one point. But then after I prayed about it, I kind of just forgot about it. But actually, I prayed for it, and now I'm waiting. And I'm praying, and I'm seeking. You know, I, uh, I come, you know, I, I, before I was born and raised in Florida, but I, I, I took a little field trip to Michigan for about five years. And one of the amazing opportunities that I had was to be a part of a ministry. And one of their main focus was waiting upon God, was waiting and eagerly waiting upon God. And I don't mean like, again, like I said, you know, it's almost like it's not the waiting that's like, yeah, just, you know, whenever happens out, you know, no, I mean like eagerly waiting, like as in like if you're sitting there at a bus stop and you're waiting for the bus to come and you're just like, when is it, where is it, where is it? Or like you're supposed to meet somebody and then they're the ones that are always late. Most of the time it's me to band practice. Sorry, Danny. 
I think about every day that we got band practice or we show up on a Sunday morning. I'm supposed to be here at 8. I'm here like 8.05. But they're waiting for me. Hey, Justin, welcome. The band's already almost started. But I want to remind you there is importance to waiting upon God. And if you don't know much about it, well, there'll be time for another sermon for that. But these disciples were waiting, they were praying, and they were seeking. Now, as you guys know, we're in a series uh, that is called As It Is Snapshots of God's Kingdom. And so uh, to kind of give you a little bit of an idea, uh, Kim's going to help me out here. She's going to put up some photos here. This is, listen, they didn't have phones back in the days. Okay, they didn't have phones back in the Bible time, so they couldn't really take a picture. Okay, but here's what we have. There's a couple photos here, uh, you know, of what it might have looked like when the disciples were praying, when they were waiting. Uh, Kim, if you can go on to the next one here. You see, maybe this is what it looked like. They said they were in a house, you know, and they were just, they were there. I'm sure they were fellowshipping with one another, and they begin to wait and pray on God. But if we could get a snapshot of God's kingdom, <clears throat> Kim, go on over to the next one here. This is something of what the kingdom of God might have looked like in the early days. They were meeting in each other's homes. Uh, you know, there was, they, they, they were meeting out in the streets. Kim, if you go back to photos there, they were meeting out in the streets sometimes. They kind of would just meet wherever they could meet. And God's word was open in that moment. You have Jesus preaching on the hill, right? So, we know what snapshots of the kingdom might look like in these glimpses of these pictures. But let's fast forward it just a little bit here to bring it into context, a little bit of more of what it might look like, not now, but a little before the 21st century. Kim, if you can show. Uh, does anybody know who that is? Nobody? Okay, okay, maybe the next one. The next one will show you guys who it is. So, okay, someone knows who that is. Nobody. So that right there, and Kim, you can go back to the main photo as it is here. That right there is Phineas Brzee. Now let me ask you this. Does anybody know who Phineas Brzee is? By a show of hands? Okay, so this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. You guys ready? Listen to this. I'm, I'm going to read you a little clip on who Phineas Brzee is. I'm going to try to not give it away, so if I, if I blink out a word, that's the reason why. It says, in, the 19, in 1894, Brzee withdrew from the opponent ministry of the Methodist Church. You guys heard of the Methodist Church? <clears throat> in order to serve as a pastor to the Peniel Mission, an independent ministry to the homeless of Los Angeles. Over the next year, and so... Actually, Kim, you can go ahead and pull up the next couple photos here. There you go. Over the next year, a rift opened between Brzee and the Peniel Mission's founders, Reverend Theodore Pollock Ferguson and his wife, Manny Payne Ferguson. Brzee became convicted that the best ministry for urban poor was to create a strong church that ministered to the entire families. Now, here's the thing. I want to just describe this to you real fast. Brzee left the Methodist church because he wanted to preach to the poor. 
you see the church before in that in those days was there it was in the it was in the building it was nice pretty looking and people would come to church but then Brazil started to get convicted and say well we need to go out to the streets we need to reach the poor and so then he was going out there and he was bringing them in and there was a little bit of a conflict and oh well you know you were supposed to preach here this week but now you went out to the streets and and so there was a little bit of a conflict and so he left he went to this other church but listen to this argument because i find it to be a pretty good argument some conflict came between Brazil and the founders of the Peniel Church because their focus instead was on the down and outed. So now you have Brazil who's like, well, listen, I want to preach to full-blown poor families. And then the, the Peniel Church is saying, well, we want to preach to the down and outed. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. You could pick any side and you're going to win. Isn't that pretty awesome that, it, when it, you know, one time I was in the middle of, I was at my stepdad's house and I was arguing with him for about 30, 40 minutes about God. And at the end, he said, hey, sorry, we're arguing. I said, no, no, I would, listen, better that we're arguing about God than something that's useless. This is a pretty decent argument. One of them is saying, hey, listen, I feel like we should preach to the down and outed, while the other is saying, well, I feel like we should preach to poor families and to the whole family. And so, in October of 1895, Brzee and Dr. Joseph Whitney a leading Los Angeles physician and former president of the University of Southern California, joined with a numerous, get this, numerous of lay men and women to form a new church. Willie suggested the name of the church, the Church of the Nazarene. That is how our church was birthed. And so, again, if we could look at a couple snapshots here, I got two photos here of what it might have looked like uh, that's really not Phineas Brzee, you know, uh, preaching to a group of, you know, homeless people. But nevertheless, we get the idea of what it might look like if he was doing so. Uh, and then they would even have times where they would set up a tent meetings and stuff like that. So that's why I had that other photo there where they would set up a tent in a field and say, hey, everybody come out for revival and get over here. And uh, we're going to have church right here in this place where this empty field is at. And so, I want to bring up another snapshot. If you can bring up the one, there you go. Does anybody know who that is? Oh, yes, yes, but then who's at uh, Jesus' feet? That, that is a snapshot of Mary. That is a snapshot of Mary, and I'll give you an abbreviation of the story of Mary. It's found in John chapter 12, if you ever want to go there in your spare time. But here, a dinner was given to Jesus in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Kim, if you can, go back to this snapshots uh, for, this, for this, uh, this month's series. You know, as we go through these snapshots where we see God's kingdom when it was birthed, or God's church when it was birthed in Acts, what it might look like, and then we look at what Phineas Brzee started and what that looked like for the birth of the Nazarene church. 
the one that we're sitting in here today. And we look back again at Mary and we see. And now, Kim, if you can, the previous photos, if you could kind of just go through a couple of those here, uh, you know, the ones that we've been going over. As you look at these snapshots, you ever heard the saying a picture is worth a thousand words? You ever heard that? I want to bring our attention to what's not maybe said in these pictures. I want to ask you guys a question. You see people. You see God's work. You see his word open. You see Mary in the home. Where's the church at? I mean, what we would consider a church today. Where's the building? Kim, if you can go through a couple more of those, I just I want to see if we could find one there. You know, you don't... When it came to the time of, of the church in Acts chapter 2, it didn't say Jesus told them, go and wait in the sanctuary. And I'm going to pour my spirit upon you. Go and wait. And it doesn't say that Phineas Brzee wanted to bring the poor to the church. He was going out and ministering to the poor. And when you see Mary begin this full-fledged worship of Jesus Christ where she pours out this very expensive perfume and with her hair wipes Jesus' feet and anoints Jesus himself. It's in the midst of her own home. And so when you look at what the church was meant to be, you will realize that the last thing that's mentioned is a building. Now, granted, there's nothing wrong with us meeting here on a Sunday morning. The Bible says do not forsake the gathering of together you don't want to you don't want to forsake gathering together we are here on earth full of billions of other people and millions of other christians and we're not it's not an accident we are supposed to meet together and join and have fellowship with one another but the church is not a building the church is not the people however the church is the people, the body of Jesus Christ in action, in waiting, in prayer, in seeking. You see, the church is the people of Jesus Christ in loving, in guiding, even in working at your own jobs, in fellowship. You see... The body of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is not us meeting here this morning. It's what we do outside of those doors. It's us coming here this morning, being encouraged to go out there and preach God's word. During these days and these times, some of us, we might wonder, man, there's not that many people coming to church anymore. Well, the problem is the church is only happening in here. We're only raising our hands in here. We're only singing of the love of Jesus Christ in this building. We contain it. And then when we go out there, then it's okay, I'm back to my job. I gotta be successful. I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta stack my money. I gotta do this. I gotta have that. I gotta keep up with the, with the whole persona out there of what I need to be or what the world is telling me to be. And so if you go out to the streets and you say, well, why aren't you coming into church? They're gonna say, well, what church are you talking about? You talking about that building in there? I mean, this is what somebody would say. You talking about that building in there with a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of problems and they wanna act like they don't have all those problems? Because they go to church on a Sunday morning. And so the, 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 the focus of this month's 
snapshot series is to bring our attention that God's kingdom, his will done on earth is not just in this building, but his will done on earth is done and performed in the field out there outside of these doors when you look at the early church man i'm so blown there's some listen since god back in the days like a few like a month ago the youth group and i were in uh, were in a back to the future series and we were talking about the birth of the church we were heavy on it and man there was a part of me that almost didn't want to show up here on a sunday morning i'm gonna be honest with you i was like you gotta be kidding with me like look at what the church looked like the church was the type of people that was, hey, you don't got to wait to come in to get your needs on a Sunday morning. No, 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 no. We knew what your needs were before you came in here because we were so in sync with one another because we were constantly meeting up with one another. And we knew exactly what you needed. And so your needs were taken care of. And if they weren't taken care of, then I might go sell my house just to make sure that your bills were paid. Or I might go sell my extra car to make sure that those bills were paid. Or if, you, or if your grass isn't cut because you can't physically do it, then I might go to your house and I might go cut your grass. And so there was some there was some Sunday mornings where I was like, man, I don't know if I need to go there. I feel like I need to I, need, I feel like, you know, Jesus had it to where he said, go and wait on me. But he didn't say go and wait on a building. They just happened to be in a house waiting upon Jesus. But it wasn't where they were. It was how they were facing towards Jesus Christ in the moment of their everyday life. So I remind you, if you can, Kim, go back to the series uh, photo. We're in a series. It's called snapshots of god's kingdom and so we look we took a uh, uh, we went back to the future here and we looked at what it might have looked like in jesus's days you know right after the church was birthed and and we've seen when phineas Brzee birthed uh, the church of the nazarene how it might have looked like um but i want to show you something of what it might look like here uh in the 21st century uh kim if you could show the uh photo here uh, the, those of you guys, do you see the, the, the boy all the way to the left? That's me. I know, I know. I, 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 you can't recognize it as much. I, I have a lot more hair there than I do right now. But that's me. That's me. I'm with my buddy Jarrett. Still, it's like, a, it's like a brother to me, really. I mean, he's, it's literally, he's literally like a brother. We have known since I was 12 years old. And, uh, you know, it's like one of those friends that, like, you go over his house and, like, you don't even hang out with him. You just, like, hang out there, but you're not even playing with him because, like, we're just that close to being family. And another buddy of mine, uh, Taylor. And uh, those of you guys might not know where we're at in that picture. But that's what a snapshot of God's kingdom looked like for me in my life in the 21st century. Now, you might not know where we're at, but behind us, you'll notice that there is a, uh, there's a basket. And the basket is full of things like soap, toothpaste, deodorant. Because we are actually at a facility who provides for the homeless, the poor, food. That day we served, I don't know how many people, but a lot of homeless people that are here in Daytona Beach. And that's what the snapshot of God's kingdom looked like in the 21st century. Now, Bear with me one second. We're almost at the tail end of the route. But I want to show you what it looks like in the 22nd century. If you can go to the next photo. It might look to us like fellowship with one another. You know, we have a, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, we'll have sometimes Dusty and Kim in the back over there helping us out. 
John and Rebecca, sometimes we will meet up sometimes and we'll just hang out. And you think to yourself, well, that's not church and that can't be God's kingdom. And I don't have a picture of me and, and Dusty and Kim and I don't have a picture of me and Dusty working on his brakes and and uh, and I don't have a picture of John riding my moped that I bought the other day and taking Rebecca on the moped and Rebecca and John posing. I wish I had that picture of you two posing because they were they were look they the picture looked like if they were on a full blown Harley Davidson, but they're just on a little tiny moped that I got. And like Rebecca's like, like, hey, look at me. You know, it was just so funny. But I don't have that those pictures. And so this will kind of give you an idea of sometimes the snapshot of God's kingdom is us Christians fellowshipping with one another outside of this building. But the one a little bit more personal of what it might look like. You see, the 21st century one was me. It was it was me there, and and I was at the homeless shelter. But let me show you another photo here. If you can go on to the next one, Kim. Well, this one here was just taken a few months ago, maybe even a few weeks ago. This is Chrissy Baylor with Elaine and Jim. I know it's a little bit smaller to see the photo, but that is Chrissy Baylor. Elaine and Jim, and guess where they're at? The same homeless shelter where I was standing, I don't know how many years ago, 12, 13 years ago. Feeding the homeless still to this day. Now later on, Garen's going to show a lot of the snapshots that came in. This is just a little tiny glimpse of it. And at that point, Chrissy's going to be here to explain to you guys how you could be a part of that ministry if that is something that, uh, that is, you want to be a part of. But man, how long has she been doing that for? Still, where she invited us teens over there when we were that young and then now still to this day a part of that ministry. How how amazing that is. But what I notice again in this picture, guys, are they at 840 Taylor Road? Where's the church? It doesn't quite look like a bunch of people meeting in a building. But what it looks like is this. It looks like a whole bunch of people speaking a language that those people out there understand. You remember how when the Holy Spirit of fire fell upon the apostles at the beginning of the church and everybody came and they said, we hear them speaking in our language? Well, if I put a little twist on it, what if it means that when the Spirit of God comes upon us in our own lives... That maybe we start to go out on the streets and we we start to speak other people's languages. And it might even be their physical language, but what I also mean is it might mean that we meet the poor person where they're at. We meet the person who needs Jesus at our job at our job. We don't just say, hey, by the way, I happen to be, if you can't, you can come to church with me on a Sunday, try to get off of work. But you could bring church to them. Maybe it's speaking their language in their tongue where they're at in their lives, and you're meeting them where they're at. You see, that's, when you look at the church of Jesus Christ, that is what the church of Jesus Christ does. You know, I don't mean to toot Jason's horn, but this guy is crazy good when it comes to meeting people where they're at. Would you believe me if I told you this? This guy comes to my house for the first time, and he's telling me about my neighbors. I don't even know my neighbors. I don't even know, like, 
any of them at all. I don't even know my literal next door neighbor, but he's there in my front yard. He goes, oh, yeah, there's a Guatemalan lady. She lives right down the road over there. I met her a few days ago and her husband and boop, 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 boop. And there's this. And I'm just like, dude, what in the world? He knows my neighbors. And he's so good at that. You know, I've had many people come by my house and they meet my mom and they're just like, hey, you know, Jason comes over. My mom comes out and he puts everything down. Whatever we're doing, we're supposed to be working on my car. And I'm like, come on, let's get to work. And he's just sitting there having a full-blown conversation, fully focused on my mom, talking with my mother. Where she's at. You see, because I can't say, hey, mom, you want to meet Jason? Come on over to church on Sunday morning. But church was brought to her right then and there in that moment. Some of you guys, you might think to yourselves, well, what might it look like for me? You might be thinking, maybe it's a conversation with a coworker at work. Maybe it's you standing up for God's kingdom where it might be suppressed. Maybe it's you showing the love of Jesus Christ, the mercy of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's when somebody at work makes a mistake and you show them grace instead of just getting on them. Maybe it's when that person over the counter, uh, you know, who's serving you or doing something for you in this day and age where everybody's short-staffed, and instead of you getting nasty with them, you say, hey, it's okay. I understand it's not fully your fault, but let's get to this. It's okay. Maybe you're the light for them instead of just the next customer complaining to them. Maybe it's the post that you decide to put on Facebook instead of speaking the language of the world and just getting into something that the world only cares about, but then you write something that maybe speaks to somebody else that might be on your friends list versus instead of something that's your own opinion of what you want other people to think is right, maybe you post something that says, hey, look, you're cared for, you're loved. Maybe it's you going there and spending time with them. Maybe it's you seeing somebody on a, on a social media or you knowing of somebody that's hurting and you go and you just spend time with them and hang out with them. Maybe it's you working on somebody's car, helping them out. He diagnosed that thing in like two seconds, by the way. Maybe it's going on a moped ride late at night. When you, I know, you know, Jason wasn't really feeling it, but I got my moped. I said, where's your moped at? He went and bought a moped, and the other night, I was like, I really want to ride my moped. And he said, it's late, but, you know, we can go. And we went out for a moped ride. Maybe that's what the snapshot of the kingdom of God looks like, where you're meeting people, speaking their language, meeting them at their needs. And showing them God's kingdom. Remember I told you the passage that we started with in Acts chapter 2. That to truly understand that passage we have to read the beginning. And we have to read before it and we have to read after it. And we, we did read before it but some of you guys might have not caught it. We didn't actually read after it. I actually want to end with this reading after it. Because I want to show you what happens when God's kingdom is not boxed in in a building. And this is in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 14. Uh, this is right after these men came and they said, um, you know, they, these guys came and they said, they're speaking our language. This is crazy. We've never seen anything like this. Uh, we hear them. They're speaking our language. We know what they're saying right now. We understand them. They're meeting me where I'm at. Oh, they've got to be drunk, though. They've got to be drunk on wine because these guys are just acting up. You know, sometimes when you start to do things for God's kingdom, somebody might ask you, what's wrong with you? Why are you so nice? Why are you so this? Why are you so that? Why, why, are, you, why are you just so happy? Whatever the case is, you know, they might ask you that. So I, I get it. I get these guys. They come around. They say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're a church guy. What are you doing here? 
That's supposed to be you drunk? Something wrong with you? But Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, Peter is crazy. I I, I could imagine if we lived on a, on a, on a, on earth with here with Peter right now. He says, and he addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk. And it's, he says, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. He says, well, man, ain't drunk. It's early in the morning. I don't know what he meant by that, but. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Peter goes on to say, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour my spirit, and, all, and they all shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great magnificent day. If you guys don't realize what Peter's in the midst of doing, he's in the middle of preaching the gospel. There's these people that are coming to him and they're saying, why are you so different? He says, oh, I'll tell you why. And he goes on. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God's mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. He goes on to tell them, there is a Jesus who is alive and he is surely not dead. I'm going to skip down here a little bit. It says, let all the house of Israel Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? You see, it was when they were met at their needs. And he began to preach the gospel in their setting, in their language, that they asked the question, What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, and with many words, be bore witnesses and continue to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation so those who received the word were baptized. And listen to this. Remember how we told you that the church started off with 120 people waiting, praying, seeking God? And then God's spirit came and fell upon them and they met those where they are? Listen to this. So, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day. About 3,000 souls. 
Folks, could you imagine if we could grasp this concept of the snapshot of God's kingdom? We could step out into that world and we could meet people where they're at in their need. And when the opportunity comes, we could preach them God's word. 3,000 in one day were added to the kingdom of God. Lord, if only we knew the power that you give to us when we follow your ways and your truth. Father, I pray this morning that we would be filled with a holy conviction, not one that has us leaving here sad, but, Lord, that one that has us here encouraged, that we serve a God that works beyond these four walls, that we serve a God that has the power to bring multitudes to your kingdom and your glory. And, Father, I pray that all we would do is we would be your kingdom. We would be the church. We would be your body. That we would truly understand the concept that, yes, the church is not the building. And the church is not just the people. The church is the people in action, in waiting, in praying, in faithfulness, in eagerness, in readiness, in loving, in mercy. Lord, let us be your church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wish I knew you were preaching on Phineas F. Brzee today. I would have brought my award I got in sixth grade. My my parents uh, actually used to take me down to the L.A. mission that he started when I was a kid. And that that affected my trajectory in life. Like you, with your friends in that picture, are doing that. And as uh, we come to time of communion, it reminds me of the importance, the importance of community and of breaking bread together. So this week, what I want you to do, as we, we do this most weeks here, we, we break bread, or we'll just, we'll call it bread. We'll call it bread for now. We break bread together weekly. This week, do something that is going to take you out of your comfort zone. But I want you to do this because you need to know something that maybe you've never heard before. You don't need permission from someone in a positional power of authority in a church to do the good stuff that Jesus wants you to do. You don't need permission from a denominational authority. You don't need permission from someone with a seminary degree. You don't need permission who, from someone who's gone to church for way more years than you. If Jesus calls you to do something, Jesus calls you to be with people, be there. And not just for them, but for you. There is no greater joy than when you serve God in the way that He's asking you to. And so this week, break bread. Now, bread might look like Alberto's pizza. Might might look like uh, homemade lasagna. Might be chicken McNuggets. I don't know what bread's going to look like. But we're talking about eat with someone intentionally this week that you generally wouldn't spend time doing that with. And if you can't be there, if, if it's not safe for you to, you know, health-wise to do that, bring a meal to someone who's not expecting it. 
I promise that that form of breaking bread, of sharing the blood of Christ with someone, will be life-changing not just for them, but for you as well. So, let's, as followers of Jesus, as disciples here, let's take this bread. If you can get it open. Let's take this and let's share it together as we are one in the bond of love in Christ together. Share this. And as you as you eat this, I want you to think of someone very specifically that you can break bread with this week. Let's eat in remembrance of him. And as his blood was spilled for us, that we really might be made clean and guiltless, blameless. You ever thought really about what it means to be guiltless and blameless and not have to deal with any of that junk? As he did this for us, sacrificed himself. Think about who we can just show some grace this week. Who we can really just say, hey, without saying the words I love you, it's hard for some of us to say that. But through our actions, sharing that bread, that wine, or sorry, Nazarene grape juice, that drink, let's think of someone who we can share this with this week and say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us. Let's drink together. Father, we praise you. I truly hope that we can continue to understand more and more what it means to accept your forgiveness. To say everything from my past has been washed clean. And what a great kingdom is coming as all accept that forgiveness and as all say, Lord, thank you that we have been made clean. And we are filled with love instead of all the other junk that takes its place. Lord, I'm looking forward to this adventure you've got this week. As you never seem to fail when it comes to just a a surprise in this life and this joy that you bring to us. All praise is yours. Amen. Amen. We guys stand as we come to a close in just a portion of what the church does. I'm really going to need you guys' help because uh, Garen's really good at singing. I'm not. And so, uh, Danny, do you know, are you good at getting the key started? Sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim let your will be done in us. May God's will be done outside of these four walls this week in your life. Go and have a blessed week, guys.